Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Good to see you guys here. Welcome those who are watching online. Let's pause, let's pray, and we'll get started. And once again, before we even start, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who continues to support Genesis in their giving. Thank you for all the people who work and help the things that happen on the you know, from the children to the technical things. Every week we are grateful for everybody, their time, the effort. Appreciate you guys. So let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the blessings that we have and the things that we get to enjoy. Thankful for the people who spend their time and their energy and give to allow us to continue to do the things we're doing here. And pray, Lord, that we would honor all these sacrifices in a way that brings honor to you and furthers a good news that is worth spreading. May you allow this time, or may we allow you this time to work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My swimming. <laughs> Gonna get everyone. <laughs> well, again, good morning. Good to see you guys here. Good to have you guys following us online. I'm gonna do something a little different this morning. I don't know if it's gonna fly or not, but I wanna step into something a little bit different. And what I wanna do is as I am speaking, if you have a question about anything that I'm saying, I'd like you to be able to ask that question. Now, the way we can make that work in our scenario is I'm going to have you raise your hand, right? Because otherwise, if you just say something, I'll be, huh, what? And we're going to try and make it so that the people who are watching online can engage with this as well. So if you raise your hand, ask a question, try and keep the question short, so that, understand that when you're asking or talking, the people watching aren't hearing what you're saying, most likely. And so I will repeat what the question is, and then I will respond. It's not really Q&A, it's kind of Q&R, because I don't know if I will answer your question, but I will respond to it. Um, and then we're still going to have our time afterwards where we can talk and have a little bit more free discussion. But I, I so want what happens after our time when I'm speaking to start flowing in more of the time that is speaking. I think it could even help direct what 
maybe the Spirit of God is wanting to say when it is connecting to the hearts that are out there, and it allows that kind of movement to take place instead of just me and my tablet and my notes. And, and for you guys watching online, I actually have my YouTube open, and if I remember and you have a question, you can type it in and I can respond to it as well or try to respond to it as well. And P. Sherman has always already responded with game over. Um, but then she says, I don't know how that got there. <laughs> we love you, Pat. Uh, so we've already got comments coming in from online. So anyway, I want to see how this goes. And I'm going to kind of, if you get some ideas about this, um, I know a lot of it is us just feeling free to be able to interact. Right, And so I know sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to ask a question. No one's going to see you, right? We, we will just say the question is from, I'll make up a name, and no one will know that it's you. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger is here. Okay. <laughs> Today I'm going to be concluding, at least I think I am. I thought I was going to conclude last week, but I had one more thought about a faith worth wearing. And today I'm calling this one, well, I was going to call it Radar Love, but then that song from the 70s, I didn't, I, I didn't want to get it stuck in my head, but it's too late. But instead I'm calling it When the Bush is Burning. We've been talking about what evangelism looks like, this idea of sharing faith. And, and we've talked about how What's in a name is actually the character, right? It's what we are that represents and is most clearly understood by what, how we believe or what it is that we believe. We've tried to talk about how these things are more than just words that are shared, but they're lives that are lived. We, we talked about how evangelism doesn't take place in a vacuum. It takes place in community. It's when we love one another that God is seen, not just when we talk about God's love, but actually when we do the love. That's when God is most clearly seen. And today I want to kind of look at how that shows up or when that shows up. How do we step in to that moment when someone is curious? How do we know when that moment is there? What is it that we say? What are we trying to convey? And I'm just wrestling thing, through the things that happen in my mind, and hopefully uh, they resonate with you. In Genesis chapter 28, there's a story of Jacob. And in verse 10, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put under his head and lay down to sleep. What's interesting already in this verse is two places are named, Beersheba and then Haran, and then it says he reached a certain place. These two places had names, and then he reached a certain place. It, it seems like the writer is telling us that this place didn't have any significance. There wasn't a well there. There wasn't a tomb where we buried, you know, one of our ancestors. It was just this certain place, kind of nowhere. And so Jacob lays down to go to sleep. In verse 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth 
with its top reaching to the heavens, a stairway to heaven. Zeppelin owes some royalty there. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. He said, I am the Lord, the the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land which you are lying. Gods were thought to be local to places. There were gods for certain nations and where they resided, that's where their gods were. We know that about the gods of Egypt when we went through Exodus. Gods did not reside in certain places. And so this is unusual and Jacob's response kind of gives us that account. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, the surprise wasn't that God appeared, but that God appeared at a certain place, at a place that didn't have meaning, as a place where he was not expecting to encounter God. This wasn't even a rest stop on the way to somewhere. This was the place before the rest stop when you just have to pull over because you're tired. There was no connection of this place to anything significant, and that's why he was surprised. Now, we, far removed from this kind of thing, think, well, God is everywhere. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that God would be there, but it was to Jacob. That's not the way God works. That's not the way Yahweh works. And so this is a surprise to him, and he calls it the house of God, Bethel. And so in some ways, the revelation that God is in a certain place then gets constricted by Jacob to now God is in this place, right? What if he went a few miles down? Is God in that place? Is that Bethel too? Or is it now just this place, Bethel? Well, for Jacob, this was Bethel. And so he's got to build a monument there and it's got to get a name and they're going to mark this because it had significance now. Before he got there, before he had the dream, was there any significance? Was it just a place? What made it significant? Was it the dream? Was it that God gave him the dream? These and many other questions we will gauge into. And then this happens also in the book of Exodus, chapter three. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the far side of the wilderness, not Horeb, the far side of the wilderness as he was coming to Horeb. He's in a remote place. He's in a place that isn't normally significant and came to Horeb. And it's named Horeb because later it would be called the mountain of God where the law would be given. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Again, all of a sudden, some place becomes holy because the presence of God is recognized. Now, we, I think most of us, believe that God's presence is everywhere. It's not just at certain places. It's not just within bushes that burn, but it's really everywhere. But our language betrays our own theology sometimes. I mean, we can say things, oh man, the Lord really showed up. Right? Did he? Was he not there? What, did he make an appearance? Right? Or the Lord was moving. Was the Lord moving or were we aware of his moving? You know, I, I remember when we were going to Haiti, there would be groups of people and they all had the same color shirt saying, and one of the slogans on the shirt was bringing Jesus to Haiti. I was like, pretty sure he's here already, right? But we understand the idea, right? We understand, no, we want to see this manifestation. We want to see the presence of God show up. And it's interesting thing is that God shows up in in non-religious, non-sacred spaces. It's interesting in these stories how it wasn't expected, it was encountered. Jacob's making his bed, And boom, God's there. Moses has been in the wilderness for 40 years. When did the bush start burning? Was it always burning and then Moses just saw it? Were there other bushes burning? Were there these little signposts of God trying to reach Moses, these other stones where Jacob could have laid his head that were all around, but they just encountered it when they stopped and looked? When I used to be a worship leader, I was always guilty of doing this kind of language, right? Let's come before the Lord. Nope, the Lord's already here. You know, that kind of language where, you know, Lord, we pray you would fill this place with your presence. Nope, his presence already here. But it, it's just a way of recognizing what we're failing to understand, It's trying to open our eyes a little bit wider. You know, it's trying to, when you're adjusting from the dark to the light and you have a hard time seeing because the light is now so bright and it takes a while for our retinas to adjust so that we can begin to see. Sometimes I feel like that's what's happening in our lives where the presence of God was here. I just didn't see it until I adjusted properly. And Even in the scripture, the idea of God's presence being there is throughout. Now, now sometimes it's the presence is in the temple, it's in the holiest of holy places, but then other places, you know, where can I go from your presence, Psalm 119 says. You know, if I make my bed in heaven or down in the, the grave, you're there. Even the night is like light to you. Psalm 119 Or Psalm 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends 
of the world. So, so his voice is everywhere. Creation is declaring all of it. And so the awareness of these things is apparent even to the people in Scripture, writing in the Old Testament. It happens in the New Testament too. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul is at Athens, verse 26, it says, from one man he made all the nations, speaking to them about God, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they could seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Again, God is, we are swimming in God, we just aren't aware of it. And so what happens in the Old Testament is God is relocated at times to the temple, to the holy place, to a certain place. They are trying to mark it because this has meaning. How can I recapture this meaning? Because God had manifested himself to the people, except that it also happens at random places when they're not expecting it when they're not looking for it. He just happens to be there. And I think we can do that too, right? We, we know worship is a way of life. We know that worship isn't just what happens in the songs that take place before I give a talk. But oftentimes, we have the limit put in where we think, oh, I really want to go and worship, and we have a meaning that is smaller than what it could be or could mean to us. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen at those times, but it's supposed to happen more than just those times. And and so I think we have to be intentional to not limit God with our imagination. Because our imagination, we think, is, is what doesn't have limits, but even in our imaginations, God is limited oftentimes. Because we imagine God could be here at this time when this happens. Recognize that it can happen in other times when we don't see those things, don't recognize those things happening. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to the idea of evangelism. If evangelism is anything, it is pointing out the work of the God who is already there and is already loving people. It's not bringing it to happen. It's being aware of it happening and noticing it. If I were to try and bottom line this, to to reduce it down to what I think it is or what I want to say, my view of following Jesus isn't that it's one of ideology, it's one ideology among other competing ideologies. It's a way to see the universe that in Jesus, what we see is God is love and is always reaching, seeking, longing, and even blessing all. That what we see in Jesus is what God is always doing. And who we see Jesus is and and who we, we see him doing these things to, it is to the people who were 
not expected to be the, the focus of God's attention. It was the fishermen, for crying out loud. It, it was the widows. It was the tax collectors. It was the, the woman who was at the well who was not fully Jewish. It was the woman caught in adultery. It, it was the people who were marginalized and outcast. And that's where we see Jesus bringing the love of God most clearly. And I think about stories that I hear from people who aren't, quote, Christian, where something happens that they didn't expect, something miraculous that shows up. Corrine was telling me a story, and I'm not going to get all the details right, but of a woman who adopted a, a baby girl from India and went to India to go and pick up the girl and when she got there, she's checked into the hotel. They came to her room and they said, you need to leave. Your life is in danger. And she said, well, I can't leave without my daughter. And, and it turns out that the place where she was going to adopt the baby from was actually trafficking kids. And she was in danger because it was a part of this uncovering of these things. And she was insistent on not leaving. She had another child with her who she sent home and she stayed there and went to legal means to try and find the child. And at one point they said, okay, you can go into the orphanage. And all she did was have a blurred picture of the baby. And they said, if you can find the child and you can name the child, then you can go on to proceed to take the child. And so she's going through this home with all these different children. And now it's months later from the picture that she has. And all of a sudden, as she's going through in like the last room, this little baby just lifts its head up and almost waves to her as if, hey, it's me. And she goes over and sure enough, it's the baby. And then other things happen so that she actually has to get more permission and they find the actual biological mother of the child who thought she was giving the child to a better life, didn't know she was going to be giving the life to the child into this trafficking. But through her and this pastor who was there, they were able to get the child out. And this story comes to the girl as she's like 14 years of age and says, what happened to my mom? And they tell her this story. And she is like, why me? What about all the other children? How did this happen? Why is this a special? How did this show up? How did this take place? And it's like this, this bush is burning in this crib in India that no one could see except this lady was able to be there and see it. And I just wonder, what if they're all bushes burning? What if all those children are having signs that we're just not seeing? But God is longing and yearning. How do we know this? How do I believe this? Because that's what I see in Jesus. And so I'm not trying to tell people who God is. I'm not trying to uncover to people what I think they should know. I'm just trying to help them to see a bush that might be burning in their life because that's where God is going to speak. My job isn't, introduce, isn't to introduce Jesus that is somewhere else. My desire is to point out the Jesus who is already there, the bush that is burning 
that isn't being seen. And if creation is declaring the glory of God and pouring out speech, then there is no place where God isn't present, no place that is not sacred on holy ground, which interprets to no conversation or vocation that is secular. No activity that isn't spiritual. You're not just a plumber, a dog trainer, an architect, an engineer. Everything is sacred. Every place. If if a certain place in the middle of the desert is holy ground, so is the place where you work. So is your life. So is your conversation with your friends. So is everything we do. I'm going to a Laker game tonight. It's a spiritual activity as opposed to a Celtics game. That's an abomination. I'm just kidding, just kidding. I don't know what's going to happen there, but God's present. We get, I should say I get, into routines. I get up, some of us at the same time, I drink the same coffees. When I drive to work, it's the same route. Look at the same apps. We put our lives kind of on autopilot. And the routine starts to numb us from all the things that are around us. I was watching my grandson play soccer. He had his first soccer game Saturday. And I love watching him because you never know what he's going to do. And he was there, and the game's kind of going on, but he's in, he was you know, playing center, which is a defensive place, right? Is it? Could be. Well, he was standing there, but he wasn't just standing there. He was standing there kind of kicking his heels. And then he dropped down and started doing some push-ups. And then he stood up and turned around and started kicking again. And I just would love to know what's going on in that mind. He was living his own movie right there, right? He was just going on, and life was just alive. And children are like that, right? It's going to like, I want this, I want to see this, I'm going to react this way. And they're just living in that moment. It was just so fun to watch him because there was not the routine. And this routine can bleed into how I understand God. God only shows up when we do certain things, when we read, when we pray, or only when we are at certain places, when we are at retreats, when we are at church, and doesn't show up when we do other things like party or make love or at other places like bars or maybe even other religious temples. There's a story where Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath and was persecuted because he did so. Because in their understanding of God, God does not work. He ceased all his work on the Sabbath. And so Jesus told them, my father is always working. And so I'm always working too. That was not within their understanding of God. God is not always working. He stopped working on the Sabbath day He doesn't work on the Sabbath day. And now you're telling us that God looks like you and what you're doing. 
And so they wanted to kill him because his view of God was outside of theirs. They were so blinded to their understanding that they failed to see the fullness of what God was actually doing. And I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to come to a place where I am blinded by my understanding. I am limited by what I know or what I see or what I feel. And so anything outside of that that makes me uncomfortable or I would have to look that way is something that I ignore or disregard. So when Jesus looks over Jerusalem, he mourns, says, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you weren't willing. Again, we see a longing of God. I wonder how many times we fail to see the bush that is burning near us because we are not looking or we think simply that it can't burn like that. God doesn't work like that. And so our eyes eyes are hidden from seeing. Isn't it interesting how many times they had a hard time recognizing Jesus after the resurrection? It's like, it's me, guys. What's going on there? I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Um, How do we learn to recognize bushes that are burning? How do we learn to see? And some things that I think can be helpful, at least have been for me. One is reading the Gospels. It's helped me to better understand and hear the voice of Jesus. By reading the Gospels, and I'm not saying the other books aren't good, but reading the Gospels helps me to kind of hear the voice of Jesus so that when something sounds like Jesus, I know it's his voice. And then when something doesn't sound like Jesus, even though it's, quote, Christian, I can say, that doesn't sound like his voice. That sounds like another voice. That doesn't look like how Jesus acted. That isn't Sermon on the Mountish. Right? That, that doesn't have that feel to it, even though it might label itself at different ways. Another way is that burning bushes are found in places that you least expect it. So my radar needs to be on those places at those times. I, I need to be aware that the mundane is an opportunity, that there is the possibility for something to be born in the areas where you don't expect it, right? Like on a soccer field when you're seven years old. Man, it was the most exciting space of ground he lived in. I don't know why he had to do three push-ups, but he had to do three push-ups. He was getting ready for when that ball came. He was going to be strong enough to do something. It happens in times of weakness. It happens in times of humility. It happens in the small, slow, non-spectacular areas of life. 
It's surprising. Jacob was surprised. Moses was surprised. We will probably be surprised when it happens because we weren't really looking for it. And so when we're in places where we think it won't happen, maybe we'll be surprised. But we won't be if we're blind to it happening there at all. Peter Rollins does something called pyrotheology. And one of the things that he does in the pyrotheology, the whole idea is we need to burn down what we have so we can see what we're blind to. And one of the things that he does is he takes a group of people and he has them go to other places of worship, goes to a temple, uh, whether it be a mosque or Hindu or a Buddhist temple, and ask them to tell them about God and ask them to tell them what they think about Jesus and Christians. And you're not there to argue. You're not there to win them over. You're there to learn. And he says that you find out more about yourself from someone else telling you than you do when you're in your group that you're all saying the same things. It's uncovered, and all of a sudden you see things a whole lot more clearly than you did before. And another way is just randomizing rituals. You know, I, I, I hate how predictable I can be sometimes. When I order my coffee, I've, I like this coffee, so I just keep ordering this coffee. Right? I like a, a flat white, hot flat white with coconut milk. It's just perfect, right, as far as the coffee goes. And, and so I, I don't want to ruin perfection and try something else. <laughs> or if I go to a restaurant, oh, I know I like this, so I'm going to try this. What would happen if I just went to a restaurant and asked the server, what's your favorite thing here? And ordered whatever it was just to open my palate just to have a different experience than the routine. Now, depending on how expensive the restaurant might depend on those kinds of things, right? Have someone else pick what movie you watch. Listen to, read something different, random. Take the long way home, right? The scenic way instead of the quickest way. Listen to a random podcast. Put things into your mind that aren't usually there so the algorithms don't keep feeding you more and more and more of the same and you keep getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Yes, I'm looking at you, Rick. (laughs) It's funny, my social media feed, it's so random. I mean, it's got everything from dogs to guns to left to right to barbecue to atheists, to comedy, to God, it's all in there. I have a feeling someone on that algorithm chart is like, this guy's psycho, man. We gotta... When I was in middle school, I was voted most popular. I know, I was, just letting you know. Because I hung out with the jocks, and I hung out with the stoners. And I hung out with the Vietnamese community that was there, and I hung out with the people who were in drama, and I hung out with the people who were in the music, I was just high and confused, and they mistook it as popular, okay? But I was experiencing all these things, not knowing what I was doing. And I think sometimes we just 
limit our understanding because we limit the things that come to us. You don't have to agree with everything, but let different beliefs challenge your thought. We often look for a special times, special places, and special people to bring the goods of God to us. I go to church to hear from God. No, God is speaking all the time. Listen, hear. We think that these people can bring us what we need, not realizing that in certain places, in the far side of the desert, there are bushes burning, if we would look. It was the fishermen, not the scholars, that were chosen to carry this message. It was the women who first testified of the resurrection. Think of the diversity that exists just in our room here, right? The ethnicities, the ages, the backgrounds. And then let's pan out and think about it in our city and then pan out and think of it in our country and then let's pan out and think of the world in different places. The diversity that exists is just this well of inspiration that we have available if we would look to it. I've shared before how amazed I was at church in Haiti that would go on for hours. They would have talent shows. People would come singing to church. I mean, the whole family, they would march to the church, singing, dancing, tambourines. It's like, here comes church. It's not here, it's coming. Different. I have no idea what the, they taught because it was in Creole. Who knows? I have no idea what the songs were. They weren't my cup of tea, and even the way they danced, you know, because they would dance, but it was very, this very kind of slow dancing, you know. And I was like, that's not dancing. Come on, man, get moving, you know. It, it's just, we have a way of segregating so many things and, not to overuse the term, but colonizing even worship, colonizing how we see God working and experiencing those things. The radio signals are always there. We just need the right receiver to be able to hear it. And I think that that's what I want to do with the idea of evangelism is have an ability to tune in to what God is doing and just say, hey, look at this. That looks, like, that looks like God. That looks like something that Jesus would say or do or how he would act. And just make an awareness of that so that I don't have to lead people to Jesus, I can open eyes to the Jesus who is already there at work. And that could look like a million different things. Let me see if there's any questions on YouTube. Pat's just not sure how those emojis got there. Let's be aware of the bushes that are burning around us. Let's open our eyes to the holy that is present, not just in our lives, but in the lives of everyone. And let's let that be the conversation that we have with others, making them aware of the God who is already present. Let's pray. 
Lord, it's hard to be aware of our blind spots because they are our blind spots. But we have an understanding that there are things we know we don't yet know. There is room for us to be curious. And so I pray we would be. We'd be hungry for the mysterious ways in which you work. That we would desire to hear your voice in those uncommon places. That we'd tune in to the goodness of your spirit who is always at work, always wanting to bring healing, always wanting to bring love, always wanting to do good for those around us. And may our desire and our awareness of the things we are unable to see make way for opportunities for that bush to be visible. Thank you for your patience, your goodness, your longing to reach out for us and for everyone the way a hen gathers a chick under her wings. May we be willing to see and follow in those steps. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May you tune your life in such a way that enables you to see the bushes that are burning all around you. May it deepen your conversation with the God who is there and who loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.